Jim Snyder Podcast. I'm going to play radio, Heathcliff. Do you want to play? Sure. How do you play radio, Louie? Here, take these and stick them in your ears. Here's yours truly, Jim Snyder, on the internet, with the podcast. It works. Hey, give me back my radio. Yeah, we'll think about that. How you doing? It's Jim Snyder and the Jim Snyder Podcast. It would be me, your lovable, adorable host, and... Uh, Got a little different show for you today. We're going to have some fun. The broadcast schedule, which I have right here in my formerly Ovaltine-stained fingers. We have a guest. Yes, every once in a while we, we bring those people on and wanted to bring someone on. If you listen to Toledo Radio, if you're from Toledo, Ohio, grew up and grew up or were, were back, uh, listening to the radio back in the in the 90s, you obviously know this guy from several different stations and maybe some other places around the country. I'll just bring him on on the other end of my line this uh, for today's podcast. Dave Campbell, DC Bash. How are you, buddy? Matt, I couldn't be any better if, uh, well, okay. I'm good. What's that, going on? Well, you know, this, this, it's a little bit of everything. The, the world's a little crazy right now, but, you know, we, we kind of... I wanted to bring you on because we wanted to, you know, just just have some have some fun and uh you know, take take you know, take some of this radio stuff back that, that we've kind of lost, you know? <laughs> you know I'm wearing a mask. I'm wearing a mask. You, back off, back off, back off. Back, back off, you know. I'm just <laughs> I mean if I <laughs> that's that yeah, that would exactly. be that would be that would be my that would be my mask, but you know, it we're <laughs> Dave is one. Of, you, my oh, absolutely. Dave is one of my is one of my probably best friends in the whole world, and we hardly ever get a chance to talk because he he's busy doing stuff. And we'll, we'll maybe get to a little bit about what you, what you're up to these days here in just in just a little while. But uh, sure. But sure. but but wanted to talk about a little bit about when um, when you and I first met, and and it's funny is that you probably remember more about when we first met. Than I did because I probably should mention Bash and I worked together at ninety four five at, at, at X, the old X ninety four point five. It's it's now ninety four five XKR, um, and it's, it's it's still doing well. They're still you know playing the classic rock. Um, but back in the day, it was it was it was it was, it was X ninety four point five, and we can even talk about you know how the station came to be, which is a fun story in itself. But before we actually were in radio together, you were you were working in TV. Yeah, uh, I, I was raring to get into media any way I could, and uh, I, I thought to myself, if I'm going to work in Toledo in media at all, I'm going to have to stop holding my bar so high and drop it as low as possible. But somebody said to me something very inspiring. They said. Okay, it doesn't matter where you're working or you get the paycheck to do what you love to do. And I said, you know, uh, you're absolutely right. And my life changed that day. And I took a job at a low-powered station called Channel 48. I think, was it, did they call it community radio or community TV? It was, or it like, was like, yeah, it was like community TV. And it, and I remember it was a brand new. They they referred to it as an LP TV, low power TV station. Yeah, and uh, you were there. Some other friends of ours were 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 working there. It was like a bunch of us that mm -hmm. that had 
you know, just kind of hung around together for different reasons or a bunch of us and just kind of got to know each other real quick. I didn't work at the TV station, but I, but I mean, there was, there was you, there was Kelly Norwood, there was other people that got in there that, um, yeah, that, that just yeah. everybody just, it was like everybody knew each other, but they didn't work together before. So it was, it was kind of a, you know, in, in, in that regard. Yeah. But, and all, you know, it's interesting, Jim, the, the, the thing to, the lesson to take away from that is regardless of the, of the, you know, it's low power TV. Well, so what I was getting all of what four fifteen an hour the point was I was getting a weekly paycheck again to do something I loved. And all those people, if you think through, have gone on to much bigger and better things. Oh, even for sure. nationally for that matter. Oh, for know? sure. I mean, so, so you never want to poo poo, uh, the start in life in media, you know, they, it, it was, uh, it was a bit of a joke of the town, and somebody said that to me one time, and I said, "Look, I get, I get paid every week, and uh, I'm able to buy another cheeseburger, you know, so, <laughs> to survive." But uh, yeah, we we met on uh, the set of a uh, show they were doing there called Radioactive, right? Yeah, I know it was it was it was a gal that was hosting it, and she was because I know there was the Radioactive show because Buddy Carr was was hosting that. Yes. And Buddy yes, Buddy, Buddy Carr was hosting that, and I remember maybe the first. Yeah, it was actually maybe the first time that we met was was radioactive, because Buddy Carr was hosting it, and he brought on Art Volo Jr., radio's best friend, and as Jim Brandstetter oh. once calls him, uh, everybody's favorite pain in the ass. You know, we can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't yeah, give well, me. <laughs> I, I never understood uh, Volo's uh, Volo's uh, position in life, but. Nonetheless, he was always hanging around with a video camera, which tells you everything you need to know about Art Volo. But uh, he, he was – tell me anybody in radio that didn't love to watch those videos. And we, I think you and I must have watched those things like five or six times. It was just video of disc jackets across the country doing their job. Oh, yeah. And it and, was – Yeah, it was fantastic. And you can say what you want. You know, we, we, we you know kind of rib at Art a little bit. But you know what? Art – is really a good ambassador, a great ambassador to the business because no question. No I question. mean, if anybody was going to blow the horn of the radio industry, it was, and still is art. And also he, he his other big thing is he's documented a bunch of Michigan football stuff too, but, but right. no, but, but the thing is, is this, I just remember Jim Branstetter saying, you know, we love your art, but you're a pain in the ass. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> and, and for those yeah. of you who don't know, Jim Branstetter has been doing Michigan football Oh, forever, and is is a color commentator and now play by play guy. But, but I just remember that. So, Art, if you're listening to this, I'm quoting Jim Brandstetter. I'm not calling you a pain in the ass, but <laughs> no, no way, no, no way. No. I, I always listen. I can tell you for a fact that uh, you and me and all of our dear friends in radio that we kind of came out of the out of the womb with, if you will uh spent hours and hours and hours getting inspired kind of finding out who we wanted to be kind of finding ourselves in business and and you know uh i i gotta tell you man that they, they were some of the best moments of my life those videos that he put out and like i say all it was was just what we had a thing called air checks in radio he i basically he just kind of put video to that which would be now i guess kind of a podcast on youtube right yeah, yeah. That's. Oh, sorry. I actually had another one here. Hey, that's right. <laughs> oh, sound bites! I, I, I can see you've invested well in your podcast. Yes. 
I blew it. I, I should. I, I hit yeah. the wrong button. You know. So <laughs> that's why uh, we yeah. see. See. It's live. Even though we got, even though we, everything's done for us these days, we still got the wrong button. That's you. Know, hey, that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, there you go. No, I, I, I'll tell you, Jim. Uh, the first time I saw you on there, I think they had you on as a guest on this program, and I was a cameraman there at Channel Forty Eight. Yeah. And uh, they had you and a couple other guys come in, and I. The thing I noticed about you right off the bat is you were uh, very confident very inspiring and i'm like this guy is sure he's gonna make it i don't know uh he's got some big big walls ahead of him but let's see i gotta hope he does yeah and and lo and behold guess what happened i meet you on the first day to meet the rest of the staff at 94 well and that's the thing is that i i remember meeting you briefly um as you know when you walk in to do the show and i here's you know so and so and so and so and you know Dave and, and and everybody else. Hey, how are how, how are you? How are you? How are you? Nice to meet you. But the, yeah, but the thing that I remember about that first day, because I remember going over to interview for the uh, for the overnight gig at XKR, and at that point the the studios weren't really even built yet. It was just they were really just getting started. Drywall wasn't even completely up yet. Kirk Kern, who is the program director, KDK, God love him. As, as Jeff Lamb called him, nappy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good boss, he was no a, matter what people he was say. A good, he was a wonderful he, boss. He was a great boss. You know, and, and, and there were times he had to set me down and kind of set me straight on, on some stuff. And, you know, that's all part of growing into the business. And, I mean, who, hadn't been, who hasn't been taken to the PD's office and just say, look, you're being a jerk. Stop it. We all have, but, yeah. but anyway, yeah. I remember going to the station, you know, when it wasn't that even really built yet. And they were talking about, well, this is, this is going to be here. This is going to be here. And, you know, well, well, thanks for coming out. We'll be in touch. And obviously I got the call and yeah, I remember coming into the, cause coming into the offices, cause the, the building, our section of the building wasn't even finished yet. They kind of had us mm-hmm. in the, they sort of had temporary offices for us in the owner of the building. Um, it was like a medical supply place, if I remember. And I come walking in and mm-hmm. Kirk's there and he's like, you know, Hey Jim, how are you? Good to see you. Here's our nighttime guy, DC bash. And you're standing there in a black, I don't know, t- black rock t-shirt, you know, rock and roll t-shirt or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. ACDC t-shirt or something, cut off jeans, tennis shoes and a briefcase. And I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> I don't think that, I, I mean, it was just, it just was like, because I remember hearing you on the on the air. You were working weekends at the old ninety three Q, right? An overnight right. screaming disc jockey, and I'm thinking, yep. who in the heck is DC Bash? Is it, yeah. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, hey, here's DC Bash, and I'm like, okay, let's be open minded about it. Yeah, and as it turned, <laughs> <laughs> and I the thing that I remember most about that week, that week before we signed on, because at that point, I mean, the radio station, it existed, but it was in a different format. It was in different studios in a different, different community just down the road. And to make a long story short, they had basically gone to the FCC and said, we want to move the station from Port Clinton to Toledo. And this is, you know, this is what we want to do. So they were in the process of doing that. 
but the station existed under another form, another format, another, you know, call letters and all that. So it was essentially a brand new radio station, brand new studios, you know? So the thing I remember about that week was that we just all got along, just everybody, um, you know, Bill Stewart and Karen Hammer did the morning show and we had Tracy Thompson who lasted about 15 minutes because she wanted to go do something else. <laughs> Kirk yeah, did- I, I, you know, there's always the, the, the stepping stone factor of it. I, I think I, you and I were probably a little more invested in the long term because I think, uh, I think you and I fit the format probably better, Jim, if I remember. Yeah. I, I, what are you, you're five years younger than I am, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so I'm 29. You're 24 at the time, but we were old enough to remember the heart of classic rock, the format, which at that time was kind of at its uh, at his infancy. I think the Jacobs brothers brought that about in Detroit. Yep. Yeah. They, they and uh, and it was really just beginning to take off as it as its own, and it really wasn't established so much as a format to a lot. Yeah, the maggot-infested FM types that were going to the concerts wearing the black T-shirts were now getting married, having a kid, buying a house. When doctors and lawyers were buying Harley Davidsons, and they began they began to be a high-dollar demo by which to market to. Hence, the classic rock, you had the Journeys, the Foreigners, the Ted Nugent's, the, things like that. So the format was was really right down our sweet spot. So I think you and I were a little bit more long-term invested in that. Oh, so that that's kind of. That's kind of why we didn't stick around for all the three minutes, you know. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You were doing nights, and I was I was the overnight guy, and yeah. I I just I remember I don't know when it was later in the week, and it was like a Thursday or maybe a Thursday or a Friday or something, and we're sitting around in the studio, and we're kind of deciding, okay, well, what is everybody going to go by? And you know, Bill and Casey mm-hmm. in the morning, and Tracy Thompson, and you know. And uh, our afternoon guy, Kirk, who was the program director, went by the air name of Dean Scott, everybody. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got that up on my puking. Dean Scott, everybody. You know, it's 522. You know, the hit, hit the spot. <laughs> got yeah, some Zeppelin exactly. coming up. Um, and, uh, you know, DC Bash, you know, and, and real quick, how did you, you, I remember the story, but just for anybody who doesn't know, how did you come up with the, with the name? Well, um, I was a big fan uh, through high, my high school and college years. <laughs> college years, I went for a whole year. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was a big fan of uh, obviously WMMS, which was very famous on the rock uh, on the rock genre. And uh, they had an overnight guy there by the name of BLF Bash, Bill Lloyd Freeman, and uh, I thought, well. He's my, you know, he's my biggest, uh, you know, uh, my hero. So I named myself DC Bash, hence Dave Campbell. And I called him up one time to tell him about it and tell him how how great I thought he was. And I said, yeah, I named myself after you, Mr. Bash. And he goes, well, that's not too creative now, kid, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Gee, thanks for I mean, he just dusted me in two seconds, you know, and I'm just like, oh, my God. I just, I just, I think I'm honoring the guy and I just insulted him that, uh, Anyway, anyway, it, it was the, the Cleveland. Cleveland is where MMS was. John Gorman, the famous program director, who, by the way, I got hired by in my career later yeah. on in Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool how that stuff kind of works out. How you now? That, of... There's another insult to that. There's a, there's another part to that story I wanted to tell you. Yeah. Being, being the fact that I got hired by Gorman, who was Bill Lloyd Freeman dash 
his boss. Okay. Yeah. So I sit down for the interview with John Gorman in Detroit at K Rock there, uh, which was a new rocker that Howard Stern affiliate. And he says to me, uh, he says, okay, uh, Dave, I'll tell you what, I'm going to hire you. But in my life, there's only one bash and you're not him. He says, from now on, your name's Campbell. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I mean, this is freaking one of the top 20 most influential program programmers of rock in the world today, still to this day. Yeah, and genius. You're you're not going to argue with John Gorman over what you know. No. And I remember I remember Dick Kernan talking about that once, and he said, "You know what? If they want to, if they want you to call yourself Janet from another planet, they have every right to do so, and there's not a darn thing you can do about it." So, and and of course, we yeah, you're, you're not going to Kernan. Yeah. yeah, I was very sorry to see to see Dick pass, but you know what 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 a what a great guy, and I yeah. guess the. the your story, as far as yeah, Gorman says, this is what your name's going to be. It's like you're not going to argue with John Gorman. There's no way. No, you're not going to argue with him. No, no. I mean, it, it, and the bottom line is, he really honored his his overnight truck, the uh, LF Bash. That was his guy. That was that was who was named Bash. And I wasn't going to carry it in Detroit, so there was no DC Bash while I worked in Detroit. I just all I cared about is, hey, I'm in Detroit, market number five. I'm good. Yep. You know, I'll do whatever I need to do. But I, I digress back to back to ninety four five. Uh yeah, we were all we got out of the gate and you know, the, the format took off right away. I we, we started showing almost right away in the books, man. We was, we, a, we did. And I remember it was a hit. I remember when we were talking about air names and we got around to me and I said, Well, when I was at fifteen twenty I was big Jimmy Wonder and you just kinda I don't know if you were just half awake, but you just looked up, you looked at me and just kinda went that's going to be your name. That's your air name. Yeah. You're using yeah. that. And everybody just kind of went, uh-huh. And Kirk just kind of went, yep. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm big Jimmy wonder. Cause that was, cause I told the story about, you know, how, how that all kind of came to be, um, uh-huh. in the in previous episode, but it was just, um, it was just kind of by accident how that happened. And, and the name stuck. I wasn't a big fan of it, to be honest with you, but I thought, well, Okay, why not? Let's have some fun with it. And you're right. The format took off. We had our growing pains. And IOT had the, you know, the big rocker across town who we were going up against the the giant, if you will. Mm-hmm. He even sent, I remember they even sent a spy over posing as an intern. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, radio was fun, wasn't it? Uh yeah, and it's funny because I ended up working uh, as a night jack at IOT later in my career. That was one station uh, I never worked at. I, yeah, I, that's uh, I ended up getting a job there. Darren Arians had hired me. God rest his soul. He's passed about the last year and a half or so. But, uh, yeah, he hired me over there, and I just told him flat out. I just said, you know, I get so tired of fighting you guys. Because let's face it, IOT is the heritage in town. 94.5 holds their own, no question. What we did was we forced IOT into a situation where they had to watch how much new rock they were playing because we started taking numbers on the back end. And the thing you have to understand, for those of you who don't understand radio, you don't need to take, you don't need to pass someone else in the ratings to beat them. You just need to take a piece of their pie and you're making money. You understand? Oh, absolutely. And that's, and that's what we were, and that's what we were doing. We were making plenty of money just by, 
peeling off two or three points. And uh, that's what, that's what we, you know, we decided to get ourselves into a niche with that format. And it hit big in Toledo because Toledo is, let's face it, it's, it's at least at the time it was and pretty much is now, I suppose. It's very blue collar. Uh, you know, the, the demos match it very well. So it was a, we did like two or three studies before we went on the air with it. Uh, Stu, our general manager at the time, general sales manager, uh, you know, they did one study on it and it showed that it was a big, big hole in the market. And then he said, do one more study. And they did. And it was even bigger. So I, I think it was one of those situations where the planets all just kind of lined up for that format. You know, it was a prime at the time to, to do it. And like I said, I was in the middle of the demo and loved the music anyway. And I guess I came off on the air as somewhat of a musicologist because I went to every concert, you know, that they were talking about at the time, you know, uh, within the last 15 years. I mean, I spent half my life at the sports arena and God knows what kind of a fortune I must have spent on concert tickets. <laughs> yeah, those, yeah, those, 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 kit, and lived it. those kiss tickets, you know, those kiss tickets, you know, seven fifty and eight fifty back in the day, man, that broke the bank. <laughs> I'll do one better than that. Five fifty a ticket for Sticks and Kiss in 1975. Oh my gosh! And you think about yeah. how much, how much they charge for tickets these days? Because that's how these guys are making their money, and that's a whole other story for another day. But, but it's funny. You listen. You, you go back and you listen to some of these old tapes from some of these jocks from back of the day, and they'll say, you know, Kiss with Sticks and Pie Knob, and you know, tickets are you know. Pavilion are ten fifty and lawn are eleven fifty, and you're just going, jeez, uh, you know that was that, that was, it was a different time and a different different place for sure. Um, so yeah, I yeah, we definitely were were hitting a niche, and you know we had our growing pains and we had had things we had to work through. One of them we had an owner, God lover, really didn't understand the demo that much. Really didn't understand radio that much but the thing about venice was that she wanted to learn and she was open to it but had some had some hard lessons to learn along the way and you know she figured it out as time went on and we were fortunate as time went on uh before i departed uh the you know we got some good people in that understood the format and and were able to be in a more influential position to to make those to make those decisions, decisions that would, you know, benefit the radio station. Yeah. I mean, Venice was, uh, she was the sweetest thing ever was. They, they were McDonald's franchise owners, her and her husband. And, uh, you know, they had obviously had some money to, to burn. Cause that's what you do in radio. Oh, you spent, and, yeah. uh, they, but, but the thing that lady could do was decorate an office. Oh my oh gosh. My God. We I, had, I said yeah. there, when they pulled the chairs in to the uh, to the foyer, they pulled the chairs in, and I said, "I just need to sit in a one thousand dollar chair. I've never sat in one before. Can I please?" Do it? <laughs> and the wallpaper, I think it was like uh, two hundred bucks a yard or something like that. Oh, it was it was it was, it was crazy how much yeah. money. And, but that's place. but that's what she wanted. And you know what? As an owner, you know you have the prerogative of doing that. As I've always said, it's your stick. You can do whatever you want with it. And that's what she chose to do. And she, and she wanted nice stuff. And, 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 and just, I remember one thing and it was not meant as a demeaning sort of thing. She just didn't know better. You remember the, the machine that I had to 
put together my copy because of, of my vision. I was a Braille reader. Well, I remember sitting in the conference room. We had a beautiful conference room, table, beautiful table. And I'm sitting there and I'm working away on some stuff. And she says, I really would rather that you have something set under this machine of yours. And I'm like, well, Venice, it's not going to hurt the, st- the surface. No, no, I just would feel better about it. And she went and she made me put a magazine underneath that Braille writer so I wouldn't damage the tabletop. You and that Braille writer, man, that's amazing. I, I, I was thinking, you, were, you know, when you were to get on that Braille writer, it was almost like you were, uh, you know, you were sending secret code to the uh, to the old German U-boats or something. It was just like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, they've got they've got machines now, or they they they. I don't know how much they use them now, but they they have a um, a computer program. It's called Duxbury. It it, it takes print and converts it into Braille, and they have uh, this machine called an embosser. And it, you know, will print the Braille from, you know, and it's all done on computer and it's thousands of dollars. Well, when I was working in, 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 in uh, Kitchener, Ontario, uh, several years ago, uh, my um, employer bought me one of those, which I was just floored. But the thing that I didn't explain in the story was that that thing was just, it was like when you turn that thing on and it went to print, it was like waking the dead. It just like, and one of the engineers yeah. said, you know, you ought to set that thing up in the newsroom when they go and do their live hits. It sounds like an old teletype machine. It would add ambience yeah. to the yeah. newscast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'll never forget all my, as long as I live, man, sitting there and uh, help, helping you with that. Because, you know, you'd come in about, uh, what, 10 o'clock at night before a midnight shift. And, you know, we'd have a chance to spend a couple hours together before you took over. And you'd have to you know, print out all your breaks. And that was some, uh, that was some good times that you're, you're very inspiring to me, Jim. I must tell you, the only thing you couldn't do is drive the station van. And I, I gotta tell you a couple nights, I thought about letting you try. <laughs> <laughs> and but, I think uh, it was, a, it was a good times. We had, a, we had so much fun. And I just remember, remember those nights when we were just, I don't know if we were just tired or just didn't care when you would answer the, answer the request line, you know, click, hi, Domino's pizza. but yeah that was uh that was uh it was interesting format uh needless to say i uh you know like i said a lot of people were were really into their as far as the main listeners of the station they were into their careers and lives they weren't running out to the bars as much as they as they used to uh you know, so your listener, you could do a few, you know, you could experiment a little more. You know, let's face it, over the years, I mean, uh, there was a couple of sports programs that we were able to be inserted very well into that. You could you could do Cleveland Browns football on a Sunday and actually enhance your ratings because that was kind of a lifestyle. You could, you know, you know, you understand what I'm saying? You could oh, yeah. kind of dip into the lifestyle a little more with your programming. Well, exactly. You you meet your audience where they're at. That's how you connect with them. Right. And right. and. Right. And it was a, a fiercely loyal audience, and I re, I remember that. But I, I do remember, and I have to sh- I have to share this one story. Was the one night, and and you're always going to get the the nut job that just doesn't like what you're doing. But I remember, I think it was yeah. like about eleven thirty, and I'm getting ready to go on the air, and the you know request line rings, and you pick it up, and it's like, and the guy says, "Hey, you so and so, you know." Um, I know where you're at. I'm going to come out there and kick your butt. And you were like, 
bring it on, dude. He says, yeah, you're out there at Sands Road in Port Clinton. Well, the station had moved since then from Port Clinton to Northwood, Ohio, which is a suburb of Toledo. And he's like, I'm going to come out there and kick your butt after the show. And you're like, bring it on, dude. Come on out. We'll meet out out back. We'll meet out back after the station. Someone's standing there on the Sands Road, Port Clinton, which is every bit of 55 miles away. Someone's standing there waiting to have a fight with me. And he's like, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. He probably ran off, that dirty son of a pup. Yep. Because <laughs> uh, the studios used to be in Port Clinton, but but we, I guess at that time, still had to maintain a sales office there for for FCC reasons because the station was still licensed to Port Clinton, but it had such a big signal uh, so I'm sure there were those who thought that we were still actually sitting out there over in Port Clinton. And I remember going in there with you once because we had to maintain studios and I, and it was the old state, the old studios from the old station, the old format. And I'm thinking, wow, what a step back mm-hmm. this was. And, oh, yeah. and, and to, and to move forward. But, um, it was a, it was a, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, all the, all the, all the promotions. Yeah, all the promotions, all the uh, all the all the all the good times we had, and you know the listeners you 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 got to meet, and and the in the you know the salespeople that came through, like any radio station, they come and they go, Hobbs, and we definitely had a share that came through the building, lasted about fifteen minutes, and they were and they were gone, and and the general manager Jim Lorenzen, God love him, he would always bring in these 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 people to do sales and they just, I don't know. He wanted to give them a chance, but they just didn't have it. I remember one gal that he brought in, she spent more time showing her promotional shots because she wanted to be a model. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh man. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think there was actually a running thing. Whenever Jim would bring somebody into the station to be a salesperson, you know, because anybody, if they got half a personality, they can be a radio salesman, right? Yeah. Right. I think all of us, uh, the minute they brought them in, we started this thing. We started this, uh, uh, it's like, okay, uh, how long do you think they're going to last? I'll say five minutes. I'll, I'll have you 50 bucks on that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had a, I think we had a running pool, you know, and it would yeah. just, somebody would yeah. just mark it off of the board in the production room. We had to tell Vinice, no, it's, it's, it's for baseball or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I and and some of them just blew my mind. There was uh, uh, the the kid Shane Bolt, and he's still doing sales. Kid, he's still, still doing around. sales, and he's, he's still he's, in my humble opinion in sales. Because it, look, bottom line is, we could be the coolest jocks in the world. We can do the greatest shows in the world, but if people don't sell, we don't have a job. Well, that's and that's uh, it. I worked at a station. I worked at a station in South Carolina that was like that. They ran into a problem. We had great numbers. We were number two in the market, but they couldn't sell it. They just, right, they, right. they, and they, and so the company ended up deciding, well, we're just going to, they didn't just blow it up and change its format overnight. They evolved it because they were, they right. knew that they had some numbers and they didn't want to just completely blow it up and start from scratch, which they probably should have done anyway, because it really didn't matter. Yeah. But no, that you're right. You can have the best ratings in the world, but if you don't have the income, it means it means nothing. Yeah, I mean, uh, the day that Shane walked in, uh, he—I I think Shane was like five one, and he looked like, uh, you know, he looked like about a uh, Doogie Hauser. Oh, he was you know, Skippy he a, all the—he looked like Skippy. You know, he was Skippy all the way. Yeah. But 
But you're looking at him. Well, our bet on him was that he was going to last 10 minutes. And he goes out that week, and he comes back in with a check for $60,000 from Super Shops, uh, which was a big uh, auto parts place, you know, that for uh, heaping up your car, you know, and, uh, you know, to make it look cool. And and they had a budget to give him, and they gave him like $5,000. And he stopped them. He said, no, I want it all. And the, the guy looked at him and he said, you know what, kid, I'm going to give you all I got. He brings in that check for $60,000. This is a big advertiser back then. Oh, yeah. You don't and, see, you don't see they, too many of those they, anymore. No, and and Jim and Jim Lorenzen and Stu got on the phone to call the guy because they wanted to see if it was real. They were so amazed at what this kid did, and he was all the time like that, bringing in checks for ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars at a time. And you would have never believed for a minute that the guy could sell the place. But that's the kind of people you had to find. You go through a hundred salespeople to get people like that in well, the world, and I, I'm convinced anymore. You know, back then I hated salespeople because I knew we needed them, but I didn't want them around. But now I look back and I'm like, oh my god, what was I thinking? He could get and, he uh, could get stuff that I, I mean, it's like we want to give away a jet ski, and he'd go out. Okay, I got you too. You know, he, he yeah, did that all the yeah. It was amazing. He he did that all the time, and yeah, <laughs> some of the spots, yeah. some of the spots he would have you do. And and we would go into the studio and you're like, hey, can you come in with me and help me do this? You know, I need a voice. And, you know, he'd put on these long records, you know, during, you know, I'd play in the God of the Vita or something like that. Or I'd put on, you know, Freebird or whatever. You know, it's three o'clock in the morning. You're staying late and doing production, you know, working on commercials. And at that time, I mean, you know, we didn't have computers. There was no way to completely track you know, what we were doing. So you weren't going to get a call the next day when they'd reconcile the log saying, hey, uh, notice that you're doing this. You know how many, yeah. golly, I don't think anybody really knows how much time, how many times I broke format <laughs> doing the all night show. Yeah. Right. You know, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I, I had an occasional, uh, play my favorite song kind of thing. I, I won't lie about it. And then of course, uh, you know, whenever you heard two long songs back to back, classic rock, usually the jock is taking a bathroom break. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Or, or in this case, it would, we'd go into the studio and, and, and that was the one thing that I was appreciative of Venice is that somebody convinced her you need to invest in some good equipment. And she, it was the first multi-track studio I'd ever worked in. So I got to cut my teeth on multi-track and yeah, the big giant tape uh, that's rolling on the, on the, on the pancake. Yep. We had a big yeah. eight track. We had an eight track, uh, was it a, that wasn't a task cam, um, TIAC or something like that. It was one of the nice ones. And it was, it had, and we had the harmonizer and all the stuff and the big board. And once you learned how to, you know, once I figured out how to do multi-track, boy, oh boy, it was just, you know, it, it was so much fun. And you'd spend hours in there working on stuff, and it, not just because you had to, but you got into, what, how can I make this sound? What can I do with this? And some of the, some of the spots, we still laugh about them today. I don't even remember. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't remember the the client, but I remember it was like for Christmas gifts, and you're coming up with like, you know, gee, gee, honey, a tie with the spots on it already. You know, 
You know, or, you know, and, and, hey, this is Finster, and I want a GI Joe. I don't want He Man. You know, just having yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was. Uh, it was uh, you, you see what you could actually do. Well, I mean, let's face it. You know, it was like you died and gone to Radio Heaven because, you, like you said, all the equipment was out of the box, brand new at the time. You know, it's uh, it's uh, ancient uh, given today's standards and technology. But you know, that's the thing about technology; it moves so fast that uh, you know you can you could build a studio now for pennies on the dollar and still have very very nice equipment. That's how it. That's how it, uh, you know, kind of ebbs and flows. But 94.5 was, uh, was a good place not only to work, but to learn and, uh, you know, to kind of really establish. And, that, you know, look, the, the, the time speaks for itself. They're still there 30 years later and still the same format. I think they broke format and went to uh, a AAA format one time. But they went back to it right away because they started falling through the floor, and uh, they're back at it now. And I don't think they've ever changed position. And no, they're still doing well. Well, you yeah. think, yeah, you think about it. That thing has been, has been. Well, it initially changed to classic rock the first time, thirty-one years ago. Do you realize how thirty-one years, Dave? It's, yeah, it's amazing. That's hard to believe. I, 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 That's hard I, to believe. That and I'm still here, and we're still here. <laughs> hey, yep. sons of guns, yep. we're still here. But yep. there was there was something else that, and of course, I I obviously remember and um, will obviously be eternally grateful for was a lot of people, or well, those who don't know you, those who do know you well, know where I'm going with this. But I remember, I don't remember it was like it was just I don't know. I had come in, I was doing my show or something, or I or you were on the air, but we were in the studio talking, and you started asking me about. So, Jim, do you go to church? And I thought, where is this going? Mm-hmm. And you started, as we would say, you started witnessing to me. And you and started talking. And I'm like, you're joking. <laughs> who, you know, come on, who are you kidding? You're, you're, you're not sure. one of those born-again Christian people, are you? <laughs> One of those Jesus freaks. One, uh, one, yeah, one of those Jesus freaks. <laughs> but yeah, and you yep. and you yeah, start yeah. you started talking about it. But then as time went on, I'm like, this guy's serious about this, and he yeah. means it. Yeah. Well, that's what I got into it for to you know to share my heart and share my uh, uh, you know who I was and. Uh, Christian music was really big at that time too. And, uh, you know, so I always wanted to work at a contemporary Christian music station, which I did and had a really good run there at what's called Yes FM in Toledo, uh, shortly after 94.5. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, that was really what I got into the business for in the first place was to hopefully uh, stick around long enough till contemporary Christian music started finding itself and realizing, Oh, we need airplay. Uh, you know, because it pretty much had its infancy in just the bookstore scene, you know, because there weren't a lot of radio stations doing it at the time. Now there's, you know, a ton of them, given the Salem Music Networks and the K-Love Music Networks of the world and, and what have you. And, and they've, they've all, they have a niche and, they, and they've done well. And I remember when you left. Yeah. I remember when you, when you left, but you didn't leave, you didn't leave, I don't think you left to go do... Did you leave? Because I, th- I remember you went and you did country for a little while, or did you leave to yeah, go right I, to yes? You know, look, 
Yeah, well, okay, so so a quick timeline here. Both you and I, I think was was 94.5 our first full-time job? I, th- I think well, for both of us it yeah, was. Yeah, my first, yeah, full-time commercial radio gig, yes, it was. Okay, so point being is, uh, I was at 93Q hoping to be a big CHR jock. Okay, that was kind of my thing over there with Steve Mason and Trey the DJ and Johnny D, who's still working in Toledo. Great and, sounding, uh, great sounding you know, station, by the way. I always thought ninety three yeah, sure. Q sounded. It, it, it changed. It changed the rules in Toledo radio. It certainly did. Steve Mason was a genius, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, to this day, I'm still grateful to him for uh, for everything he taught me, as hard as he could be to work for. But they did really change the radio scene, and it made radio better. As uh, my boss, there, John O'Rourke, had said in an interview one time, he said it. Toledo radio got better because of ninety three point five. Absolutely, it did. Yeah, yeah, and Kiss FM is what it is today because ninety three five came up and started giving them a bloody nose. Well, and and that station RQN had gone through so many different oh changes yeah. and and so forth. It struggled forever, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I'm working in Columbus for the radio rating service, and I come home and I pop on this station, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like, right, it sounds like WNCI in Columbus, and it sounds great, yeah. Wow, and I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm getting to work there, and I'm working a lot of overnights at the time. I wasn't working just weekends. I mean, I had a big gig on weekends, but it was a weekend and it was part time. And you got to get that full time uh, name on your resume, so you get it any way you can. Ninety four five was our first full time gig, and uh, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I'm full time now. I'm doing nights, got some decent numbers. But I want to do mornings. So what are you going to do? You don't go across the street and start doing mornings in Toledo. You got to drop down market size. So I went down to 107.7 in uh, in Finley at the time. I think it was called Jumping Country or you know something like that. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, didn't matter. I, I stayed there for about six months. But if somebody asked me, "Hey, have you done mornings?" Yep, done mornings full time. And you got see you got to have those things on your resume. You got to be able to show somebody you've been able to do it. You know, it's one thing to say I want to do it, but you've got to do it. And you know, that's kind of that's kind of how that whole thing came about. Is I you know I got the full time uh, stripes of as it were on your sleeve, and then you want the PD stripes and the management stripes and the whole whole nine yards. But don't remember where I was going with that. But you know that you get the point I'm making here. Um. And uh, then I came back, yes, for Yes FM's infancy uh, to put help put that on the air, and that's what got me basically got me that job. Is I was already full time in radio and mainstream, and had the experience uh, and the expertise on how to execute a radio station, and all those experiences helped me do that. And Yes FM started as a Christian version of ninety three Q. There's where I was going with that. Yeah, and it and, uh, and, and it 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 you and. Uh... And uh, John, golly, what John Rob? Was it John Rob? Yep, John Rob and John Rob Bonda Hogle, uh, Jeff Howe, and uh, and all those guys. Chris Rapp. Well, yep. Jeff Jeff wasn't with us in the beginning. Jeff, Jeff was Jeff wasn't with place. you at the beginning. Okay. No, 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 no. It, it was uh, Scott Weaver, my sidekick, uh, Vonda, John Rob, Chris Rapp, and Kenny Butterfield at the time, and put that on the air. Kenny B. And it was very. Very successful. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when you left, when you left to go 
And here's where I had to really, and, and this is no ditch on anybody, but I really had to be, a, you know, take the high road because I wanted the nighttime slot. And mm-hmm. it was obvious they weren't going to give it to me. And I remember on a Saturday afternoon, Kirk called me and he says, um, hey, can you tell me how to get a hold of Mike Ryan? And I said, oh, you know what's going on, don't you? Yeah. And I said, well, you think about making Mike the new nighttime guy and Kirk, it is, you know, like maybe. Yes, you were. Of course he was. So he hired Mike. Yeah. And Mike wanted into 94.5 in the worst way. And I'm not, you know, that's nothing against Mike. Mike wants to wants to go get into a format that he knows. And I had spoken about that on the previous episode because I had met Mike at over at 3WM. And Mike was doing overnights playing adult contemporary. He was playing Linda Ronstadt and, you know, you know Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville Records and, you know, and, and Phil Collins. And that wasn't his bag. Not at all. But he was a pro, you know. He was going to go in, and, and and he did a great job at it. And so for him to have an opportunity to come in and to do classic rock, being uh, you know the the you know the the bands that he idolized and loved, well, who wouldn't? So I don't blame him. And I was glad yeah, that that's that 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 feeling is really a t- that's some of the toughest feelings in the world is when you know you're not you know you know you're not up for the gig. And you know they're going in another direction. I've been at both ends of that stick, and it's it's uh, it's a tough one, tough pill to swallow. It really is, uh, and it, it has no, it has no bearing on the fact of whether you're good, bad, or indifferent. It just means that that's the direction they're going to go, and you know that's the that's the uh, you know the, the the hard pill to swallow that radio is sometimes. It's in, it's not necessarily about you know, gosh, I think I'm the best for the job. It's like, well, sorry, the other guy. Think somebody else is, and I guess I better either, you know, show up here and 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 have some character, which you did to your credit. Yeah, and uh, I think it I think it served you well, Jim, to it, uh, to stick it out. It did, and and then when things came to an end, and I'm not gonna not gonna lie here, um, you had been gone for a while. It was about two years, and station had gone through some changes. We have an we had a new general manager. Mike became the program director. We hired mm-hmm. another nighttime guy. It wasn't me. And, uh. you know, and it was, and, you know, I became good friends with, 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 with Paul Watson, Doc Watson ended up doing nights and uh, still, still keep in touch with him. But mm-hmm. I remember the day that I walk in, Mike's, you know, Mike says, Hey, I need you to come in for a meeting. We're going to have a meeting. I'm like, okay, walk in. And it's kind of like, you know, station's going one way, you're going another. Mm. And at mm. that point, I was just like, I, was, I wasn't I was happy to begin with. But I knew I needed to get out, but I wasn't quite sure how I'm going to get off the treadmill. Well, they solved that problem for me by just, you know, letting me go. Because I'll be honest, I didn't like the way they were going with the station at night. They were, they were playing album sides and... And that's not the kind of radio I want to do. I mean, I love the format, but I wasn't like a junkie to it. And to do the kind of night show that they wanted, you had to be a junkie. You had to know all this stuff so deep. And I didn't. I always credited myself of being a jack of all trades and master of none. 
I could do any format, but don't ask me to go overly deep. In, I mean, some I can do more than others. But anyway, I go in and I get let go. You know, and I remember, you know, you go home and you just kind of take a deep breath and you think, okay, what do you do? So I started making phone calls and it was funny. I, I don't remember it was you. There was two phone calls that I'll never forget that day. Um, I called a buddy of mine that was working over at what was then soft rock one one and is now the river adult contemporary station and a guy that I had known for a while. And I said, Hey, um, I got let go today. I'm, I'm on the beach. And he says, yeah, I know. Um, Steve wants to talk to you. That was the program director. So it looked like I had something in the works already. But in the meantime, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. And I remember calling you. And I said, dude, I got canned. And I'll never forget this, Dave. It, it, it almost, almost just, your heart was in it. And you said, dude, don't do anything. I'm coming to get you. You're coming to my place. We're having dinner. You're coming to work with me tomorrow. You just don't don't call anybody. Don't do anything. Just I'm coming to get you. Because you knew that I was just emotionally charged at that point, right. and and I needed. I I I just it was like you knew because there were some people that were really upset that I got that I just got canned, and mm-hmm. were mad about it, and. And I think it was one of those where I could have done something that I might have really regretted later. Not that I was going to go over and, you know, shoot up the place. But I know that um, someone had said, you know, you you need to call a lawyer. And I remember even you saying that at one point in our many conversations. That even, Dude, don't call a lawyer. Don't do it. Just don't do it. And honestly, I don't think I would have. But I could have if put in the right spot well at the end of the day jim you got to remember media is a very very tight-knit community where it gets around fast as evidenced by what you just said with the with uh, the other station hey yeah i know and so and so wants to talk to you word got around pretty quick gosh it gets around even faster than i could even move well and you think about and, for someone like me i wasn't a big time jock in that market at that time i was i was the all right. night i was the late night guy i was doing 10 to 2 so, I mean, I wasn't on, you know, I don't know if Mason was, we'll just say Steve Mason or at that point, Mike Wheeler. I wasn't on their radar. They didn't care. They, they knew who I was, but they weren't like going, who, hey, he's available. Let's call him. <laughs> I wasn't right, on anybody's right. shortlist. Right, right. Yeah, but my point, my point is, is that you've got to be careful how you respond. Absolutely. Because you get blackballed really quickly. And, and that's I, why I think maybe that was. That was what I was trying to tell you. Yeah, and I told you that. Don't, I get, said, don't get an attorney because you don't want to get a reputation as somebody who, who uh, you know, gets into a legal battle every time they don't like a decision you've made, and you, you wisely you listen to me. Well, and well, also, I knew that going in, and I think you were afraid yeah. that I was going to make that decision, and probably if I could have probably it just at the point where I was at could have been talked into it with the right person. But you were just like, you know, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen. And and honestly, deep down, I knew I wasn't going to call an attorney. I wasn't going to do it. But really? yeah, you're right. It just amazes me how people, how how quickly it spreads. And even for someone as you know, I, not to say that I wasn't worth anything, but you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a marquee person. 
but they but the word got out. So anyway, yeah, you brought me over to your place, and golly, we had dinner, we hung out. We, I went went to work with you the next morning. Got a got a taste of what Yes FM was, and honestly, you know, it was like. And and I found everybody was just so cool. I mean, it was a great great group of people to begin with. And um, just the thing was is that you know everybody there just welcomed me with open arms. I didn't get hired there, by the way, not right away. I worked there for a short time later, but um, mm-hmm. I ended up going to work for Soft Rock One Hundred and One. But at the time, everybody was just kind of like, you know, just I was like I was part of the family, and I. I hadn't forgotten that. I didn't forget that. Um, and I think, honestly, that's probably what laid the groundwork for me accepting Christ because, you know, we had, I don't, I don't know, it was before 94.5 came to an end. We had gone to a few concerts together. You'd let me tag along to a few shows and you'd, they'd, you'd bring different artists to town or whatever and get to hang out. And I <laughs> I don't I don't remember what what show it was for. But I remember we're sitting backstage and your operations guy, uh, Mike McGee, gets out and gets up in front of the crowd. And of course, for those who don't know, these kind of shows, it's you you do the, you know, pass the plate, you know, you know, give a love, love offering, whatever. And I sat back there in the corner and I just said, passing that green salad of salvation. And, exactly. and, and it was yeah, probably yeah, not the, it takes money. It takes money to build out that gospel message. Don't it, it? it does. But, but you know, and I, and I, you know, not being a believer at the time, I was like, give me a pass on that green saddle of salvation. Praise the Lord. And everybody thought it was funny. And I, cause yeah. I, I probably wouldn't have done it, you know, today, but at that point I didn't care. No one took offense to it. I would definitely it do funny. it today, Jim. I would definitely do it today. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, no, I, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can relate to that. And I do appreciate you sharing that story with me. I, I uh, you know, I, I just, all I saw in front of me was, look, uh, Jesus had changed everything about my life, okay? And it became my entire life. And you were my best friend. And what do I want to do? I want to tell my best friend about what drives me. And I remember one time you said to me saying, I want what you got, whatever it is that makes you kick and move and breathe. And you just said, can you please help me get that? And I, and I remember saying, it's as simple as you saying uh, a quick prayer here and just saying, God, thank you. I want you to come and change me the way you did Dave. It's that simple. It was, I mean, it was, yeah. And it was, yeah. And that's the beauty of the thing about not, you know, not to get completely off on that subject, but, but that's the beautiful right. thing about, about, and I'm not ashamed to talk about it. Um, was that, yeah, the, the, it's such a simple, simple message and I'll right. never forget. I mean, everybody, you know, you hear some, some pastors or some preachers will say there has to be a time when, you know, when you made that commitment and you, and, 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 and God changed your life, and you knew something changed forever. And sitting in the parking lot at my apartment complex, it was like a Tuesday night or something like that in May. It was a few months after mm-hmm. I had left 94.5. And it was like, well, what am I waiting for? And yeah. and I just remember at different times you saying, Jesus has got his hold on you, Jim, and he's not going to let go. Right. And I right. thought, well, what yeah, am I waiting yeah, what am I waiting for? And it did. It 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 it, it changed my life, and it's things went on, and, and and you know, I I obviously you know have 
have grown and matured as as a as a Christ follower, and you know, I just I'm I'm always I'm always going to be grateful. So, fast forward to now, obviously, you know, since Yes FM, you've done some things and you're doing some pretty cool things now. Well, <laughs> I, I guess uh, within my theology, um, I really. Uh, you know, I, I was a, I, I've been a believer for, gosh, now, 40 years, almost 38, 40 years, something like that. And uh, over time, uh, I, I just took an interest in, in the theological things that go on. Uh, you know, we, we, we just read our, our scripture verses, but I wanted to really kind of delve into what was really behind what's going on because there came some questions in my mind, you know, uh, about 10 years ago about, uh, you know, what is the history of this book, the Bible? Um, what are the characters? Where are they from? What did, what is their customs at the time? Because we look at Christianity through a Western mindset and many times the translation it's lost. I've heard the numbers are as high as sometimes 80%. I, I'm trying to make this as simple as I possibly can here, Jim, but um, yeah, we lose translation because it was written uh, to the Jewish people. And, uh, and I started thinking about that for just a second. And, you know, when people talk about prophecy and what's happening at the end times, well, with this, this conversation really, really uh, changed, didn't it? <laughs> But, sure did. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sure. But in radio, we're all whacked out anyway. So, but uh, no, all, all kidding aside, uh, I, I started deducting something very important uh, about ten years ago. I'm like, okay, so Jesus Yeshua is his Jewish name. That was his name. Period. It was his name. Uh, you know, Jesus. There were no J's in the English language until what 400 years ago. Or no J's period, you know, it was that was his name, Yeshua Hamashiach is his name. He was born a Jew, uh, reared a Jew, lived a Jew, trained a Jew, trained in the Jewish customs and, and literature, you know. Uh, he rose from the dead as a Jew, he's seated at the right hand of the Father as a Jew, and he's coming back as a Jew. He stated as such. But it's up it's it's Israel is the, the point and the focus, and everything you see happening there. Is, is prophecy coming to pass? It's the it's it's the land he's going to be there, and those things started uh, started you know be taking more on more of a, a real side to the same for me. It really really started uh, uh, you know setting my faith in stone is what I wanted to do because I just like you know gosh am I reading this Bible because I want to just prepare for a sermon or Am I reading it because I really want to get to know the God of this book? And I, I got to tell you, Jim, the honest, the, the honest answer was uh, the former. I was just, I was just kind of picking it up and throwing my finger down and kind of using it for my own personal good. You know, we all are guilty of it, but I really wanted to dig a lot deeper. And, uh, you know, I really started uh, uh, getting a, a fascination with the Jewish rabbis you know, what they're all about. Uh, and it all of a sudden, as I started noticing through history, there's no way it could be denied, you know, Yeshua, Jesus himself, was a rabbi. He is a rabbi from Nazareth. 
know, and uh, and it has I changed. To, it has changed you I, so much. Oh, it's just, it's it's revolutionized my my walk uh, with the father. There's no questioning it through a Western mindset anymore. I'm seeing it in its context in its backdrop. Oh, for sure, which is Israel, which is Israel itself. And and you've and, and you've been uh, able you've been able to to fact you know to put this into you know, to, to use it as far as within your radio career, obviously. And you've done a little bit of radio since, um, cause I, yeah, you know, you've, yeah, you've worked I, at a few different places. You know, you were, you were, went back to your hometown for a little while. You went to Nashville for a little while. You came back, you did some, you've done some stuff. And obviously you're, if I remember you're studying for, I'm trying to think what it is that you're, you're, you're trying to, you're, well, you're looking for formally from a, from an academia, academia or spiritual demia, if you will. Right. Right. I, I'm, I'm in a, uh, I'm in a, what's called the same kind of a school that, uh, Jesus went to would be a yeshiva, right? He was trained as a child in that. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to go to the same school right now through, uh, with a Jewish rabbi by the name of Itzhak Shapira. And, um, it, the name of the school is Avata Me, or For the Love of My People. And uh, I'm learning Hebrew. Uh, I'm learning what the script, the scriptures, the, the native tongue of Hebrew, which is what it's from, uh, not Greek, <laughs> contrary to popular belief. It's certainly Greek is uh, much of the New Testament, but that was taken from what's called the Septuagint, uh, which was, they, they translated the Hebrew into Greek. I want to say at about uh, 1,100 years prior, 900 to 1,100 years prior to uh, uh, Jesus even coming on the scene. But uh, yeah, I'm learning those things. Uh, I'd like to tell you that I speak fluent Hebrew, but I don't. It's hard. It's a change for me at 60 years old. I didn't tell you that, did I? Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's revolutionizing my life, Jim. Uh, oh, and I, I can, I can see it. And, and I guess real, you know, just real briefly here. Um, and, and this is something that you and I have, have talked about just privately and, and that, you know, we could spend a whole podcast talking about this and maybe someday we will, um, just, just from a, from a curiosity standpoint, but we look at what's going on today and, in 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 the things that we have seen, you and I have witnessed, and all of us have witnessed. But if you're tuned into what's going on, it is, you know, I, I'd love to spend more time doing this, but I, but you know, we're got, we're getting a little long in the tooth on this. But you know, not that I'm, you know, but it's just amazing what is happening, what I'm seeing happen in our world, and things that you and I were talking about several years ago, and what's coming. And what is still to come? It it doesn't frighten me so much as it fascinates me. And yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's right. just, it, it's I'm just sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's just fascinating yeah. to me. And I know maybe some that aren't spiritual are going, "Oh, geez, where are they? Where are these guys going?" But I have to at least, no, fine. I have to at least acknowledge it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I mean, uh, bottom line is, uh, we we as people as humans, we we spend a lot of time you know, getting all fascinated with the bombs and the wars and things like that. And those are very biblical, uh, you know, on the face value. And, you know, uh, this country starting a war with that country and all, oh, wow, the end times really coming. But the beautiful thing about it is, Jim, that I've found, and I, I want people to know, is that the more stable prophecies 
the things that are actually happening are happening in the land of Israel. Uh, I'll give an example, just a real quick story here before we before we uh, close out whatever this is we we're doing here. <laughs> but what is we're uh, doing here? You know, what? <laughs> <laughs> on the give me back my radio. Judea, exactly on the hillsides of Judea and Samaria, which is commonly known as the West Bank. Okay, twenty years ago there was almost nothing up there. It was barren land. And the scripture says that in Isaiah 61, 5 and Jeremiah 31, 5, that foreigners would eventually tend your vines, your grapevines, your olives, and they would be on the hillsides. It would, it would start just growing over with beautiful fruit and fruit would fill the land and fruit would fill the world. And it, and a friend, dear friend of mine, that's actually helping out there on the hillsides of Judea and Samaria. He said to me, he said, if you look now at the hillsides of Judea and Samaria, what do you see? Beautiful grapes are growing. Amos, in chapter 9, it says that the sweet wines would be on the mountains of Israel. That's Judea and Samaria. It's there for the first time in 2,000 years. And 20 years ago, there was nothing up there, Jim. So what is that saying? That's talking about the last days. Okay, that is a more stable prophecy. I can go with that before I can go with bombs and wars and saber rattling from some world leader. So that's what's going on. That's what's setting in my mind that tells me where we're at uh, on the continuum of time, which any fool these days can, can tell you something's going on. Don't know what it is, but something's shaking out there in the heavenlies. And I can tell you. Where it's happening at, it's happening right there uh, in the land of Israel. And, uh, you know, so that that's what's really changed my existence in life. And that's really helped me dig in much deeper. My faith has become more real to me than it ever was in the 40 years I've been doing it now. But at the same time, at the same time, you're not clubbing people over the head because they're because yeah. because yeah. at the same time I always remember you know and you've said this to me before when we when we've had some things I remember the situation I was going through where I I ran into some 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 believers that were a little less than than friendly and you know weren't you know were a little un you know a little uneasy about something that I was involved in and they were and you said you know Jim there are some Christians that will take you to the guillotine they think they're doing God a favor and and yeah, and you've never yeah. you've never struck me as a kind of person you'll tell people what you believe and that's what i like that's what i like i've always admired about you is that you've always you've never sugarcoated it yeah we spent you know a f- several minutes kind of talking about this i wasn't expecting to go in this direction but you know what that's okay because maybe it'll inspire somebody somewhere you know and then we can and then we can you know we can get back get back to radio because you know it does work it works radio <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean <laughs> that and a cup of coffee is 35 cents downtown some at some places i no look it's uh it's been a crazy long crazy ride no question about it and with the, the thought of leaving radio to pursue uh something that i thought was you know starting to become questionable to me my faith i started having what's called a faith crisis uh about like I said, about 15 years ago, and everything in my world was falling apart, not because I was leaving radio, but because my faith wasn't, wasn't real to me. It wasn't, it wasn't genuine. It wasn't, 
you know, I'm like, I gotta believe this. I gotta really go down deep with this and know why, why I believe what I believe. Uh, you know, can this stand up in a court of law? Well, and because let me just leave it at this, Jim, and I guess it's a good place to leave it, but Jeremiah 29, it says, you will, you will find me when you seek me with what your whole heart. And 10 years ago, there came a point in my Christian walk, my walk with the Father. I just said, all right, I don't know what it, where this is going to end up, but I'm going to seek you with my whole heart for the rest of my life. Okay? And I set out to do it. I tried to show up every morning at the same place and started praying. And, you know, that was another thing that had, had really started to wane in my life. You know, and I, I was like, Father, you made a promise that if I'd seek you with my whole heart, you'd show up. You'd show me who you were and leave no doubts. And man, he has fulfilled that a hundred thousand times over. I've never missed radio for a minute, Jim. Do I love radio? People ask me to this day, do you want to go back and do radio? Do you like radio? Do you miss it? And I, sure I do. I was good at it. Yeah. I still I think... have done it. You know, I've, I've done it here and there. I've uh, kept my whistle wet as it were, but you know what, what I'm doing now, I wouldn't trade for the world. I'm working a simple job. Uh, in a factory in town here, uh, an air freshener factory, I've got a great job, but I spend the better part of my day studying the scriptures. And, you know, I've, I, I pay my bills with the job I have, but I'm doing what I love to do. I am doing my passion. Radio was my passion. Believe me, there are times I just want to get in front of a microphone and just tear into it. And that's, that's, but, kind of, and that's the neat thing about with what's gone on with the podcasts and me being, being able yeah. to do this. Because you know, I done I've done music radio. We both did music radio. You did ta- a bit of talk, and I've never done talk. And I always thought with this because, and I told the story in my very first podcast how you gave me the idea, and and you had always said you need to tell your story. And I'm like, well, how do I tell my story? And this is obviously long before podcasting existed. And I'm like, well, how do I tell my story? And you know, get up. I was born a a poor blind child, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, no, well, you inspired me, Jim. So I, you know, I mean, if I'd like, if your story inspires me, well, it's got to inspire other people. Cause you know, God let's, knows hope so. I'm a, <laughs> let's, let's yeah, hope so. I mean, and I think it, it, I, I like to believe it has. And of course the story that you told about, and I used it was, um, when people ask how much can you actually see, how much vision do you have? And, right, and, right how you asked the question and, and I just, and how, and, and then when I explained it and you said, I never thought about it that way, it's like, I don't have a reference point. Um, well, yeah, that was a profound, that was a profound answer. I stopped and sit back in my chair and I go, I, I never, it never dawned on me that Jim doesn't have a reference point. He, he's never seen like I have and then lost it to tell me, Oh gosh, I really miss seeing. There's no scene to be missed. <laughs> How can you miss what Other you don't what have? Your limited, you know, your limited scope and the inspiration that you've, you've pushed forward through all the obstacles you have. Oh, my gosh. Do you have a story to tell? You better believe you do. I'd, I'd like so. to think so. Sometimes I wonder when I get in here every week to, to, to do these, do I have something to, to say? And obviously I do. And maybe I'm not going to sit there and say, okay, in this situation, I had to overcome this by doing this or I needed this. or It's just maybe sharing a story and you know, talking about mm-hmm. what happened and maybe I'm not specifically getting into nuts and bolts. Okay. When I worked at this station, I had to do 
this thing and this thing and this thing, and I had to have help with this or I couldn't do that. I mean, that's, you know, we can all talk about that, but sometimes I think it's just the fact that, well, gee, if he went through that, you know, what, what, what's my excuse? That's, that's always been kind of my thing. Well, I do want to ask you before we go, um, you, you gave me a pun. Do you remember what the pun was before, uh, before, before we proceed? Um, Oh yeah. Okay. So so on my radio show, on my radio show, uh, several years ago, you you need to do the sounder first. Well, I was going to (laughs) say, I have to set this up, but if you, but I'll set it up. Yeah, I think you've you've heard the podcast. So you know what I got to do. I've got you know I got to set up the jingle. So what I could so yeah, if you want to just use if you want to set up what the pun's going to be about or, or just how it came about, and then when you're ready, just tell me and we'll 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 do it and you know everybody will get a good laugh and we go home. So yeah, yeah. Well, what, what I what I used to do on my show every now and then I would have on there's a, there's something out there. Believe it or not, there's a national. And I think even a world championship of uh, of punsters in the world, they're fantastic. I mean, these guys are crazy, crazy good. And they just come up with the stuff off the top of their head. But uh, but I used to have them on my show every now and then. It was a very entertaining segment whenever I'd have these guys on. Uh, and they, and these guys were like the world champions of puns. And they'd get up on stages and just out-pun each other. Have a pun-off. Uh, yeah, have a pun-off, I guess. You know, so... Uh, uh, but uh, but anyway, there's your setup. I'm All right, my pun ready. Okay. Well, uh, you know, so guest punster this week, DC Bash Dave Campbell. Let's do it. Here comes a really bad pun from the Jim Snyder podcast. All right, it's all you. It's raining outside. What precipitated this conversation? Ah! <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can, you know, I don't always have you here, Dave, so I'm going to have to ask other folks to come up with their puns for me. The Jim Snyder podcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send in your your puns and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever your comments and so forth. Dave, this has been so much fun. I have to tell you, thanks I've, for having me. Oh, absolutely! This is I've I've really enjoyed this, and man, we'll we'll have to do this sometime, and maybe we'll we'll do the, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about about just the um, some of the other stuff that you're into, and then I guess what would you describe yourself as? I guess <laughs> I guess I'll call it messianic Judaism is where I, where I stand these days. I don't know that I would call myself a born again Christian anymore. I, I I'd say mess. You know, Judaism is my is my approach to the faith, but I still hold dear my walk with Yeshua. Uh, he is the, in my he is the Jewish Messiah, one hundred percent. So uh, that that's probably where I would if I had a title at all, which I don't like titles, but that's probably what I would call myself these days. How about that? How about that? Well, doing what you love is freedom. Loving what you do is happiness. We're gonna wrap it up, huh? Well, you know what? This is live, so I'm just going to, you know, it's the way I always wrap up the show. (laughs) And um, it's not what happens to you that's important. It's how you respond that really counts. So there you go. We ran over the jingle. That's all right. (laughs) Not a big deal. Dave, this this has been so much fun. So thanks, buddy. I, I really do appreciate it.